Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. What if I told you imaginary friends are real? This is just so exciting. This Friday, get ready for the movie event with the greatest cast you've ever imagined. Showtime. Ryan Reynolds, John Krasinski, Kaylee Fleming, Fiona Shaw, Phoebe Waller-Bridge, Louis Gossett Jr., Matt Damon, Emily Blunt, George Clooney, Maya Rudolph, Bradley Cooper, Sebastian Maniscalco, John Stewart, Sam Rockwell, Aquafina, Keegan-Michael Key, and Steve Carell. I need to throw up or I need a snack. It's one of the two. Gross. If. Ready PG. Parental guidance suggested. Written and directed by John Krasinski. I'm French. And the I've got a problem with soccer, to be fair. Football. What I can guarantee to you is that they want to keep everything secret. Welcome to House of Champions podcast family youtube family wherever you're engaging with this download follow leave us a five star review five stars only please uh, and do please let us know what you think of house of champions we love bringing the best european football news to you and what a doozy of a night we have tonight and what a team i have in sharing the action with me mike lahood nigel rio coker jonathan johnson welcome there is of course only one place for us to begin tonight into milan Champions League finalists for the sixth time. Uh, They are through to the Champions League final after a 1-0 win over AC Milan. Lautaro Martinez, the magnificent Lautaro Martinez, netting in the second half. Kind of gave this game a little bit of luster that I was worried was was running out of it. But we we are there. We have our Champions League finalists. Mike, I'm going to come to you first. Give me some of of your sort of overall takeaways from the game. I'm going to start very much with the starting lineups. But for now, Mike, let us know what you thought of the game as a whole. I thought overall the better team won. The more experienced team won and the deeper team won. You saw it when the subs were made and Romelu Lukaku, we're going to get into him, I'm sure, whether he should have started. He validated his impact on the team nonetheless in the form of a setup to the goal for Latour Martinez. I want to take you back to just over 24 hours ago. NRC, you were there. We were talking about which guy was going to make the biggest impact. So many people looking at the form of Romelu Lukaku. I'll do you one better. Latour Martinez has been in equal, if not better form as of late. The one competition that he's been missing in throughout this year, the UEFA Champions League. It was his time to deliver, and boy, did he deliver for Inter Milan. Nigel, let's uh, let's go right back to the start, the very start of the game. Obviously, about 6.30, 7 o'clock, we are all eyes trained on those lineup graphics waiting for the news. As we expected, Rafael Leao started coming back from that injury. Now, my question for you is, did he, did he justify it? Did he look like a player that was ready to go in the Champions League semi-final? I thought we saw flashes of Leao, but you could tell he, to me, didn't seem like he was fully ready to go. 100% agree with you. 
James, that he wasn't ready to go, in my opinion. And the flashes that we saw is just the ability and the talent that this young man has. So we know what he's capable of. But that wasn't a fully fit Rafael Leal. That, for me, was a force by AC Milan, putting a lot of burden and pressure on probably their biggest star. And probably you'd have to say now, really, the face of Serie A football. And, um, you know, he had a good chance where he dragged it on his left foot. Always a difficult chance to take when you're that close to the goal and you're going with your left foot away to the goal. But um, for me, he needed to be higher and wider. But again, I felt that Inter were just so well prepared for that. They were well prepared for him. I felt Diaz had probably bigger of an impact in this game. And we talk about fine margins. Small margins make the biggest difference at the highest level when it comes to competitions like this. If Diaz had scored that goal, we'll be talking about a complete different game. Those are the margins there. And it wasn't a half a chance. It was a tremendous, great opportunity that there's no reason why Diaz, a player of his quality and calibre, didn't put that into the back of the net. But... For me, like Mike said, Mike covered it. Inter Milan were the better team. I always backed Inter to win this game. Um, they didn't start great. They played their way into the game. And again, that's just the experience factor where they expected AC to come out. I felt Inter were a little bit too laid back at the start of the game where you did feel that maybe somehow, some way, AC could nick a goal and the tie turns on its head, but they weathered the storm. And even as you're watching that game, you always felt, for me, I always felt personally, this was a game where they could have thrown a span in the works and started Roman Lukaku because I felt the game was so suited to him with how high AC were at times. But Rafael Leal did not really have an impact in the game as he should have, but he wasn't fit and ready for this game. Yeah, I mean, it's... Uh... <laughs> I mean, it, it would have been a completely different game had Leal scored, had Diaz scored. Equally, I, I mean, I still feel really let down by Pioli. I, I feel that there was a bit of a lack of imagination. Sure, defensively, he got it right. But, you know, defense isn't going to get you through the tie. It's not going to, you know, win back those two goals that you conceded in the first leg. Uh, and I, I feel the setup was 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 all wrong. I mean, okay, we can look at how undermanned they've been. Obviously, they lost Ben Asser, not just for the rest of the season, but probably for the rest of this year, just a couple of days ago. Um, and for me, it kind of felt like, you know, I, I expected there to be a bit more of a rally from Milan. I mean, I thought they started well enough. Uh, you know, I thought Tonali looked much better from the off than he did in the first leg, but it was impossible to be worse than he was JJ, you mentioned leg, that... You mentioned the setup there. What what should Pioli have done differently, given the options available to him? I mean, I think he certainly should have pushed, uh, you know, the wing backs forward. I mean, we discussed a lot uh, in detail last week after the first leg that Teo Hernandez is not really, uh, you know, a defensive option at left back. Yet he spent most of this game putting in a defensive shift. I didn't think, apart from that early shot that he flashed over at the very beginning of the game, uh, you know, he didn't really get into it as much as I would have expected. In fact, I saw more from Calabria on the right, who's sort of less of an attacking outlet, uh, you know, when you're looking at the two sides of the defence. Uh, and it's, I mean, I can understand why Pioli, uh, you know, brought out Kiao from the from the defence. And I actually thought the defence looked more solid up until they brought Kalulu on. But then that change really undid everything that Milan were trying to do. But sort of in terms of what else was going on up the pitch, you know, Macias had a pretty disappointing game and obviously will kick himself still about that chance that he missed in the first leg as well. Uh, and it feels like, you know, throwing Salamakas and, and Origi on with 15 minutes to go came, you know, much too late. He probably could have made those changes by the hour, if not before. 
Yeah, JJ, I'm so glad that you mentioned that, especially with a player like Divock Origi. We saw a bit of flash in the first leg when he was the only player that had pace. I wonder what would happen if you brought him on maybe just after half. I don't think Brahim Diaz was the right player to play the length of the match that he did. After he missed that goal, he hasn't been the same player since those two legs against Napoli. Doesn't match up physically, was dominated throughout this tie across both legs physically, and I think the mental battle was won by Inter in that match where they said, okay, we have him in our back pocket. We have uh, Olivier Giroud in our back pocket physically. So now we just focus on two players, really. Teo Hernandez, if we take out Rafael Leal, we take out Teo Hernandez. I would have loved to see Pioli maybe shift or go into this match with a back three, play that 3-4-3 we've seen them play in league and Champions League matches, put Rafael Leal and Brahim Diaz, if you're going to start both of them, closer to Olivier Giroud. I thought Giroud was too isolated and everyone was kind of doing their own thing. Junior Macias, he probably had more of the play in the second half coming into his left foot, but he got his angles wrong. There was only one player you can really aim for with Leal so isolated on the left-hand side. And if you're hitting those whipped in balls, you got to be able to hit first time service and get it on your right foot and not cross it in because Onana is going to gobble that up every day. I think the thing is, though, they didn't even play. It didn't feel like they played even with Giroud as like a focal point because normally you can play it to the player. They can hold it up. You know, they can knock it down. There wasn't any of that. It was just, you know, Giroud winning the occasional flick on header. I mean, Giroud himself, I think he's on like, what, a five-game drought in terms of goals at the moment. So for me, it felt a bit weird. I mean, I might have gone outside of the box. I'm not saying that I would would have necessarily, uh, you know, dropped Giroud from the start, but I certainly would have probably put Origi on a lot earlier. And also... When you've got Krunic, who's been nursing an injury, uh, you know, I think that was a bit of a risk as well because it felt like it was a bit of a one-man midfield at times with Tonali doing a lot of work. And Krunic, for me, not not maybe pulling his weight in the way that you would have expected. And perhaps understandably so if he was nursing an injury that could have ruled him out. I mean, to put some meat on these on the bones, I, I agree with a lot of what the guys are saying here. 57% possession for Milan. In the, as the nominal away team at the San Siro, and they turned that into five shots on shots compared to the 15 of Inter Milan. A few more touches in the penalty area, but not many, not really threatening. Nigel, it was one it's shot in the first half, James. One yeah. shot in the first half. And, one I mean, shot. and it was a save, I think, for Andre Onana to make, if I've got yeah. that correct. Yeah, one save. I think to an extent, obviously, naturally, you know, we, we want to talk about what Milan have done wrong or what more they could have done. And I think there probably is more they could have done. But Nigel, are we kind of underrating how how good a defensive outfit into Milan are to to force Milan into to pretty much nothing in the final third? I, I wouldn't say so. I've always been very vocal about how defensively organised this into Milan side is. You know, we've seen them win at their performance against Benfica. And, you know, that's a very good Benfica side and how they've grinded out both results by being so defensively sound they they are very comfortable without the ball they're comfortable to play deep give credit to Inzaghi because he's picked the right team when the moment has come and I think with whoever the opponent is will depend on the starting lineup whether you go with Dzeko or you go over Roman Lukaku so it works well I think the biggest thing is they've got a great foundation defensively and I've said it before they remind me of a Jose Mourinho into Milan side that went on to win the Champions League Nothing flashy, nothing fancy about them. But if it came to grinding out results, being tough to beat with experienced players, knowing to do the dark arts, and I love the dark arts of football, give someone a kick now and then when you need to let him know he's in the game. That's what you see from from this uh, Inter Milan side. And, you know, and at times, let's be real, 
there were once or twice in that game where they cut AC Milan open with some great football. And you're questioning, well, where is the Milan defence or the midfield? Some really good opportunities that they carved. But I think defensively, they look solid. Very good team. Yeah, Vic calling for Milan to refresh their team. One player they do not need to refresh, the goalkeeper, Mike Mignon. He was outstanding. He was the only reason why this was a 1-0 match. It could have been much worse. Some of the saves that he made across both legs and in this tie, I think in the first half, that header from Eden Dzeko where he hits it with his right, I think his chest maybe, and then just reaction save. This is a complete goalkeeper, very high on him, and he's he has to be the new number one for the French national team as well. Big international career that awaits him. And on the other end, Andre Onana, been singing this guy's praises, the best goalkeeper in Africa. And there are some good African goalkeepers. I think of Sevilla's Bunu, who's also up there from Morocco that played well in the World Cup. But he was outstanding since the knockout stages. I mean, the shutout king continues. Was it seven, eight shutouts now in the UEFA Champions League campaign? Outstanding play to win a Champions League that you said, Nigel, Jose Mourinho's team, they were a complete team. They also had a quality goalkeeper who made big saves on the way to winning not just a Champions League, but a treble. Inter, they're a very good team, solid team, and I like them in this final. There's just something about this team that I like going into this final. Yeah, definitely agree with you, Mike, about the love for both goalkeepers and Mignon. I don't think he has to worry about being number one for Le Bleu now. Loris is retired. I think he's got that position sewn up, especially after his first couple of outings uh, with the national team. Onana as well, uh, for my money, probably the best African goalkeeper since uh, Eniyama, who I was a big fan of uh, for the for the Nigeria national team for many years. But I think something that really interests me about this inter-defense is the fact that they're doing all of this without their alleged star man, Milan who's leaving at the end of the season, coming to, to PSG, uh, leaving them on a free transfer. And suddenly they, they almost look a better defensive outfit without him. Uh, and obviously he was quite a key leadership figure as well because he was wearing the armband up until he made public that decision to, to leave the club. So, you know, I think that Inzaghi has definitely done a very good job in sort of retooling that defence uh, and sort of sticking on the two defences. Uh, I think, you know, with Kiar coming out and Tior coming in, I was impressed by him. I know he cramped up and was forced off in the second half, but... I actually think that Milan's defence looks like it can probably move away from needing that veteran presence now, which is probably quite a decent bit of news for Milan uh, in terms of their overhaul coming this summer. Screenyard's taking his negativity and going to Paris Saint-Germain. <laughs> How about that for a match made in heaven, eh, James? <laughs> Screenyard's not playing their winning and he's going Paris Saint-Germain. That is How PSG, PSG is it to sign a player and help the team you're buying from? Yeah. Right, let's, yeah. let's have a little bit of a laugh now. Imagine going to training Monday morning at AC Milan now and those ultras turn up to the training ground. Um, that, that's going to be spicy if they turn up mm. on Monday. <laughs> And they are going to have a lot to complain about. We're going to come on to that in part two, but Musto, we're going to uh, we're going to briefly hit on his question. I know we've discussed this a little bit in the uh, in the top of the show, but Musto asked for our thoughts on Rafael Leao. Nigel, I'll let you speak on behalf of the House of Champions crew, which I know is a risky thing to do. But did we did we maybe see the limitation? Well, I, what I would say over this two legs is we both saw how great Leao is and how he will need a canvas of supporting stars if he's to really express himself. I don't know if you would agree with this, but it seemed to me an awful lot like this was a team that's just come to rely on Leao and fit or not, I don't think he is anywhere near a player that can carry a team in the Champions League semi-finals. I think 
the best way to put it, James, is when I always say to people, it becomes about individual personalities. You and JJ and Mike should be well aware, you guys from interviewing players and talking to players, you learn a lot about them individually. So obviously you see them how they play, but there's it's the X factor, it's the outliner factor. Rafael Leal is one of the most talented players in world football right now. The difference between Rafael Leal and let's just say Vinicius Jr. is Vinicius Jr. has a chip on his shoulder where he wants to go out in every game and show that he is the best or one of the best players in world football. Rafael Leal has the same ability. It's just he's so laid back. And if I compare him to someone in the sense of ability, it was um, uh, Balotelli. Balotelli was a talented player when he wanted to be, but his problem was he didn't want to do it all the time and he's too laid back. And I think with Rafael Leal, you have to have the right manager to really get into his head or coaching staff to get into his head for him to realise the potential that he has. And he has to play football with every time he gets the ball, looking at a fullback to say, I'm going to put you on your ass. You're going to remember my name. I'm going to score every game. I'm going to score two goals. That's the mentality that comes in an individual character and personality than just being coached. Because you, can, you can't deny the talent that he has, but it's down for him and inside of him to turn that to say, I want to do it properly. Yes, it's Rafael Leal. Not much more to add uh, on what Nigel has said, but the one thing that I will go back to is I'm adamant that I don't think Pioli set up necessarily the right way for this one. Uh, I think when you have a star man like like Milan have in layout, you have to play to your strengths. They knew what his strengths were. Inter knew that Milan's game plan was going to revolve around Leal. He was marked so tight that he only really had that chance that he flashed wide. Uh, And I think that, you know, if Pioli was really going to set up to play to Leal's strengths, they would have set up closer to the system that we saw them win away at Napoli with. And, you know, for me, unable to, to sort of unleash Leal and that searing pace that he has, there was no chance they were ever really going to get in behind this into defence, at least not twice to force it to extra time. Right. That is the game largely recapped. We're going to chat a little bit more about it in the uh, second, third uh, and we'll talk a little bit about what this means going forward. And I have a question for everyone, which is whether they believe Inter Milan can actually win Champions League final. We'll come to that in part two. See you in a bit. It's back. Due to popular demand, UEFA are giving you a final chance to win your limited edition UCL Elite FUT23 kit. Winners will also receive a digital copy of the FIFA 23 video game. Will you join the UCL Elite? The UCL Elite FUT kit final drop. Secure your limited edition kit now, a foot package for the best of the best. Enter now at uefa.com slash elite. And if you are watching on our YouTube audience, you can scan the QR code to enter. Mike Lahoud, are we a, are you a, a foot gamer? Do you, do you play much Ultimate Team? Are you, were you, have you ever been on Ultimate Team? Must have been. Um, you got I, think, team I think I made ultimate ultimate team once or twice. Um, I think for kicking people and maybe in the open cup run when I was in Philadelphia. But no, I'm a big gamer. Uh, love esports. Love the whole foot system. You obviously and don't I'm have a, no kids. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I will say I am a novice at it, but I do love the whole thing. At some stage, we're going to have to go through nine Rio Coca's old FIFA <laughs> ratings and see how dirty they did. I was, I was better rated at championship manager anyway. Right, James, let me stop being quickly, I'm, right? I think I signed you quite often as a free agent on championship. <laughs> I, was, I was unbelievable. I was best signing to get into the Premier League. Quick one. You know what JJ said, right, about Rafael and didn't work out? I just wanted to say this. 
when we watch football, all of us fans and journalists and stuff, we've seen the players with the grit in their teeth. When it's not going right for you and you're a star player, you don't just stand there and wait for it to happen. You go and make it happen. You go and get the ball. You move your positions, you get the ball, and then you drive and make things happen. That's why I say when it comes to the mentality, it's about the individual. There's no doubt in his talent, but if he wanted to make it happen, he could have gone and got that ball and trying to make things happen. I've obviously been listening to you very closely, Nigel, but while you were talking, I also have gone and dug out some of your old FIFA cards. I think old FIFA 10. You look pretty good here. 78 rated, but 83 pace. That's Ooh, pretty brisk. Mate, that. I was quick. What do you mean I'm still quick now? What are you talking about? Hey, you catching me. 81 different. No, you're quick, you're quick to the bar, Nigel. Yeah, quick, quick, quick to the mouth as well. Quick Product quick. of my environment. Seventy-five <laughs> dribbling and um, sixty-seven shooting. I think they missed the. What did you say? It was 80, 83 speed when he was at Villa. Twenty eighty-three speed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. When have you ever seen anyone blurt passy? Even playing against the greats. That's oh, not, don't, that's don't know. No, in some in some of those UEFA games where I where I question the lads' uh, effort to task. Listen, remember when I played right back against Ronaldo at Old Trafford, first time I ever played right back, Ronaldo at his prime, didn't pace me. You can go and watch the video and watch the game again. Well, Ashley Young's been <laughs> learning from the best. That's why he's rolling back the years right now yeah. at fullback. 70, 70 passing as well, which seems like they got it the, the numbers the wrong way around there. Right. <laughs> we must we must move on. Um, let's have a look at what this is going to mean for the, the club's Bigger picture, and obviously within we only really know the answer in a in a few weeks. It's because nearly a month, or how, however long it is, time. So uh, Mike Lahoud, mm. AC Milan, in theory, big problem, fifth in Serie A. Although waiting for what Juventus might bring there, but Rafael Leao has has signed his contract. There's some great young players there. I mean, what's you? What's the sort of long-term outlook for AC Milan? Will they be back here again within the next few years? It depends on the recruitment this summer. And before you can even get to recruitment, recruitment depends on if you make the Champions League. Up to this point, they've been inconsistent in Serie A, and that's because they put so much eggs into this UCL semifinal basket, and it's cost them their momentum that they had in Serie A up till this point. Now you have three games to get your top four right now, they're fifth. And I think the biggest game of the season is going to come down to next that matchup against Juventus. I think it's their second to last game. Juve has got a lot to play for it. They're also in the Europa League campaign. If Juve get to a final for the Europa League, I think that that will favor this Milan side because we've seen Juve rotate players, rest players. They will have the focal point on that. But if you do not get top four, Questions start circling around the future of Stefano Pioli. I've seen that rumor coming out of, hey, if top four is not there, what's going to happen with them? I'm curious what's going to happen with them. And I can't wait to see if Fab, you, or JJ break a story about maybe he's on his way out. I don't know yet if they will look to move Pioli on, but the two players that I think they definitely could move on, which would enable them to to be flexible a little bit in terms of shaping the squad, would definitely be Zlatan and Kiara. I mean, I think Zlatan is even confirmed to be leaving soon. Uh, I mean, I guess sort of in hindsight, we can look back on the decision to extend Giroud's contract, given sort of the goal drought that he's on, the fact that he's not getting any younger. Yes, he is you know, a fantastic uh, experienced head to have. But equally, when you need to have that, you know, sort of sweeping overhaul of the squad, which they probably do need now, uh, you know, I think they 
they might have benefited from being able to move all of the experienced guys on because some of these some of these guys who don't necessarily qualify as youngsters have a fair amount of experience amongst themselves now. So for me, I do think sort of moving on some of those older guys, uh, you know, bringing in uh, you know players who have quite a few years ahead of them will benefit this Milan project. I'm not so sure I'm sold yet on purely being axed, but the pressure will definitely be on him for the beginning of next season. Great comments coming in here as ever. Matt Osman, one of our regulars, one of our favorite regulars, always gets some good insight from Matt in the chat. Milan have a young squad and have Rafael Leao to build around, even without UCL next season. They're in good shape for years to come. That's that's the positive view, Vic, however, in our comments as well. Less hopeful. Milan need to refresh their team. Origian Zlatan need to go. They also need midfield and defence reinforcements. Why is there so much hate for Origi, though? I mean, he's, he's, he, he <laughs> I just, he, you send him on when you desperately need a goal. You don't never start him. Exactly. I, I, mean, I, I think he's absolutely fine yeah. as a squad player. I mean, Jurgen Klopp thought as much as well. And, uh, you know, I think if Zlatan goes, why not give Origi what... I mean, Zlatan hardly played any minutes anyway. I don't really buy the idea as well about defensive reinforcements. Sorry, Vic, I hope you don't think we're, we're picking on you. But... um I think what you really just need is is Tio to play more, Tamori to play more. I, I agree with Jonathan. Not really. I mean, if Kier wants to to ease into a background role, do that. Inter though, Inter intrigued me. I think I saw a lot of tweets uh, in the uh, on the final whistle saying things like, "So the winner of Real Madrid against Manchester City is the European champion." You know, this Inter Milan team are not worthy of a final things to that. And, you know, we should always take anything we read on Twitter with a pinch of salt. I'm taking it with a pinch of salt. Nigel, I feel like you might take it with like a ladle of salt. I mean, do you think Inter can win the final? It's football. Anything can happen. I think that the thing you've got to give credit to is this. We always say this and the greatest manager of all time said it as well. Sir Alex Ferguson. Championships are built off the back of defense and clean sheets. Inter Milan are that team right now where it's not just defensive minded all the way through, but they've got players who can score goals too. And they look good defensively. If you can look good defensively, their style of play, for instance, let's just say if it was Manchester City, they got to the final. That frustrates Manchester City. We've seen them struggle so many times when teams are comfortable to camp in, make you work, make it difficult for you. When you've got the likes of um, Lukaku who can go the other way, Jekov, like there's going to be, it will be an interesting tie and I would not just hand it straight to Manchester City. You got, like we said earlier, you've got to give this Inter Milan team credit because they're not just playing like this out of nowhere. They're coached to play this style and system. And when you watch them, they're very comfortable throughout the whole 90 minutes. This is an Inter Milan team that is built for cup competition. There's a reason why they're in the Coppa Italia final. There's a reason why they're in the Champions League final. They're a complete team from front to back. And the X factor that in in the final that they also have, they have a set piece specialist. I wouldn't be surprised. And I said it a couple of weeks ago. I wouldn't be surprised if with so much hype, they will favor being the underdog. They will welcome that. Yep. They will do the Italian job going in, make it as ugly as they need to be. They're a team that can be effective sitting back, hitting you on counter or killing you with a ton of passes. If they play Man City or Madrid, those two teams will – they will because that's the, the semifinal opponent. Whichever team they play, the other team will have much of the ball. They have the depth to wear you down, and I just wonder if a 1-0 sort of match, if that's what we're in for – 
I am picking this Inter team. I think they're good enough to beat either Real Madrid or Man City. I think they win the Champions League this year. There's just that special something about this team. I'm going Whoa, with them. That's too I'm far. I'm going with them. I'm yeah, going I was going to give you, I was gonna give you credit mad. for the good line. You gave a great line there. They're good enough to do the Italian job. I like that line. But that there is just a silly statement. Mate, Let's I'm move on quickly. Producer Des, can you like cut it after the Italian job? I mean, to be fair, I can see where Mike's coming from in sort of the Euro 2020 uh, Azuri approach. I'm not so sure it's going to work. But the one thing that I would sort of build on that idea with Mike a little bit is that I think it would actually suit Inter to go up against Real more than City because Real tend to pick their best performances based on sort of whether or not they see the opponent as being sort of like a worthy adversary. And I think they would look at Inter and fancy their chances a lot more than City would. I don't think City would take it for granted if they make it past Real on Wednesday. Uh, so I think that Real would probably be a more winnable game for Inter than City will. I like that point from JJ, even though I completely disagree. Because if I'm in Milan... What I really want to do is play the team that always find a way to lose the Champions League that seems to be theirs. I agree. Um, I think over 180 minutes, I don't think Inter would have... I mean, they'd have a, a sporting chance, but I don't think they'd really do what... They do incredibly well to match either Madrid or Inter. I think in one game, though, as Nigel was saying, they've got a real, real, real chance. But, like, whatever Mike lahoud has been drinking... I don't want to touch it because we know that whoever comes out of tomorrow's semi-final, and we'll talk about that briefly, we know whoever comes out of it is going to be the favourite. And we've got some team news heading into Madrid, Real Madrid. Good news for Real Madrid. It would appear that Eduard Camavinga is indeed available. Big bad news for Manchester City in the exact same position. No Nathan Ake. And look, it's a big game for Pep Guardiola and we're having those conversations again. This is Pep on his legacy. I've been here many times. My legacy is exceptional already. I've told the players to enjoy the moment. We are incredibly lucky to be here. Mike, if this all goes wrong yet again in a semi-final, does it harm his legacy at all? Yes, because he was brought into Manchester City to bring the one trophy that they're after. In the Premier League, I mean... Iconic. What he's done, they're going for their fifth and sixth years, three in a row. In terms of that legacy right there, no, doesn't touch it. I mean, he's an icon. Like I said, Premier League legend is us Americas, Americans love to focus on. Can we like, can we all tell that, that Mike Lahoud is, is terrified of the prospect of Manchester City <laughs> matching Manchester United's treble? Oh, I, absolutely. <laughs> that, 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 yeah, absolutely. I, I do not want that as a United fan. But in the UEFA Champions League, if he does not deliver with the team that he has <laughs> – That'll be seen as a failure. Everything else that happens this season is amazing. But if you do not win the Champions League and you're Pep Guardiola, hmm, not too sure about that. I mean, I don't think there's any shame in going out to this Real Madrid side, given that they're just able to conjure up this greatness at any given moment. But equally, if Guardiola and City fail once again, that's two massive opportunities lost with this brilliant squad that, you know, a squad that we've already seen pretty much get to, you know, the Champions League final and then lose to, to Chelsea. And it does feel sort of like those opportunities uh, are slipping away for Guardiola. So I don't think that he can 
afford, uh, you know, to, to overthink this, but quite clearly sort of based from some of his answers that came from that press conference, it does get him a bit riled up that these questions keep coming about whether he overthinks things at this stage of the tournament. So, you know, clearly, despite all of his rejections of, uh, of those claims, you know, it does have some sort of, you know, semblance of, uh, of truth to it because he continues to rise to the bait. For me, it doesn't affect his legacy because he'll still be looked upon as one of the greatest managers to manage in the modern game of football. He transformed football in the sense of introducing tiki-taki to Barcelona, which originally he was educated from watching Mexican football, from bringing out the goalkeepers to play out the back, which originated from Mexican style of football. He took it to Europe, took it to another level. Great. But the reality of it is you cannot say that Pep Guardiola is the greatest manager of all time if he doesn't win it. That's my opinion. He's been at top clubs. He's been given all the resources. They do it at Bayern Munich with a very good team and all the resources to be successful there. Been Manchester City long enough now where people questioned it and I'm sure the three of you thought that Man City would win the Champions League last year and the year before. Haven't done it. And again, this year, you guys probably still think they're going to do it with Erling Haaland and I just don't see it. So I think that he's less, he definitely is not harmed because of how he's transformed the beautiful game for us to enjoy but I just don't think anyone can argue to say, oh, he's the greatest manager of all time. When you look at Carlos Ancelotti winning how many Champions League with how many different clubs? You just put this in the chat, JJ. Don't think you can get away with not having to answer it <laughs> in person. JJ, you asked the question. You can answer it too. Is Carlo Ancelotti the best manager of all time? And would, would he be if he wins yet another Champions League? Hmm. Well, I'll let the guys jump in on it as well. But for, for my money... Ancelotti is definitely up there as one of the best uh, managers in the Champions in Champions League history. Uh, you know, you look at what he's achieved over a number of different clubs. Uh, you know, and we've seen as well. You know, Zinedine Zidane has been able to benefit from this fantastic generation of talent that the Real Madrid have, have managed to get so much out of already. Uh, you know, but I don't think that we can just sort of chalk up Ancelotti's achievements in the Champions League. Uh, you know, to, to to having this fantastic Real team. I think, you know, he's shown it in a number of different scenarios and situations over the years, uh, you know, that have changed with different styles of football as well. So for my money, Ancelotti has to be up there with one of the best, as one of the best. Uh, and if he does, you know, lead Real to another Champions League title, it's difficult to argue that he's, hmm. you know, not at least one of the most elite JJ, he's the best being around the bush thank you KJ if he wins it again he (laughs) is the greatest manager in the history of the Champions League there's no denying it he's won it there's one thing winning the Champions League with one club I believe he's won it with what three different clubs or four just need to make sure I know Des our producer would know but I'm sure Milan and Milan and Madrid okay two clubs but he's won how many (laughs) Champions League trophies four at least probably yeah. uh, so he won one two, two with Milan two with Madrid four no other manager's done that yeah no so other manager I, the only closest one next to him whether people like it or not as well is the great Jose Mourinho now Jose Mourinho's um, achievements in the Champions League is fantastic at the different clubs yeah. that he's done it at Porto Inter Milan and uh, Real Madrid and that is an achievement to do it in different domestic leagues as well so I just think that that's my argument to say that Ancelotti is probably the greatest. 
Greatest manager of all time couldn't win a trophy with Everton. That sounds about right. Oh, behave. Everton were the best we've seen Everton under him as well. Let's be real. Like, that was a miracle no. job he did at Everton until he had to leave. But they were the best we've seen Everton play for a long time. I got Mike. You, take him yeah. now. I just want to reflect on that. And I want your prediction as well. I just want to be very quick on this. If he gets that coveted fifth Champions League trophy, Zinedine Zidane is in great company alongside of him. They're the one-two punch as exclusive company in this competition. You have to look at him as the best manager, the greatest Champions League manager of all time, hands down. Look at what he's done. He, He delivered La Decima. Before Zidane did his thing, he delivered the coveted La Decima for Milan. How many years did they wait till they got their hands on the Champions League trophy? He is the player whisperer. When you are in a pickle, when you want to go and deliver history on your side, you call up Carlo Ancelotti. He gets it done. And he's a man that will be chasing history against Man City and Inter Milan if they get past City this season. James, just to add to that. Brazil as a nation are desperately trying to get Carlos Ancelotti. Do you know how much of a big compliment that is? Like mm, the, I agree. the gods of football, where they never hire outside of their own nationality. The one manager they're going for outside their nationality is Carlos Ancelotti. That tells you about how much of a talented manager he is. And I know people are going to have something to say about that, but that is one of the biggest compliments you can get to be the first foreign manager of Brazil. Let's quickly look at the comments and we need to we need to rattle through because we've got a lot to talk about. But quickly look at the comments. I like this from Steve Biambi. Guardiola needs to go coach West Ham or Aston Villa. That's I mean, that's a real challenge. I, I don't know if it is a real challenge, is it? Certainly Unai Emery's not making Aston Villa look like a challenge at all. Um I like that from Steve. Right, quickly before we go to the break, and we should say. Certainly by one measure, Carlo is the greatest of all time. He has nine UEFA trophies. No one else has Mm. more than seven. That's if you count Super Cups. I don't know if you should count (laughs) Super Cups. Um, Quickly, I'll start with myself. Prediction for tomorrow night. I am going to go for 2-0 Manchester City. Erling Haaland scores both, and that wins him the Ballon d'Or. Mike? What? I am going 2-2 in... Normal time, and then Madrid wins in extra time. Vinny Jr., Rodrigo, and Big Benz. He does when he wants. He plays when he wants. He scores when he wants to win it. Nigel? 3-1 Real Madrid. (laughs) 3-1 Real Madrid. Watch them get the job done. JJ? 1-1 after 90 minutes. 2-1 City after extra time. Right, that's a pretty good spread there. At least someone's going to look a fool tomorrow night. Why is it always me? <laughs> anyway, after after our next break, we're going to talk a little bit about Falar in Balogun. We're going to talk some championship playoffs, which is as chaotic and magnificent as ever. That's all after the break. Huge, huge news for the US MNT this morning, this afternoon, if you're in Europe. Finally, we all knew it was coming. We knew it was coming when he ditched the England under-21s for a trip to Orlando. Uh, Falarin Balagoon has declared for the USA. He has switched his international allegiance from English national team. He will join up with the American national team. Presumably he will make his debut in the CONCACAF Nations League semi-final against Mexico. JJ is our man in France. You've seen a lot of him with Rem. How has he done this season? And is he better than what the US had beforehand? Bearing I mean, in mind, he's the lowest bar in world. 
I was going to say it's not set particularly high, but no, I mean, I think Balogun is a great get for, for USMNT. Um, I think based on what we've seen from him so far uh, with Reims, he's, you know, he's definitely a promising, uh, you know, talent in front of goal, looks, uh, you know, very prolific, albeit based on one season so far. Uh, I do think that we sort of need that second season confirmation, which personally I'd like to see come in France because I think there are clubs who will be playing in Europe next season that would love to, to have him. And I think we'd be able to see his game develop much better if he plays in the same league uh, and is exposed to continental action. But we'll have to wait and see what happens on the transfer front. I know that James has written uh, a very good piece earlier today based on where Balogun might be landing this summer. So go and check that out. But, uh, you know, for me, I think he he wasn't expected to be this prolific. uh, And the Haas themselves were not expected to do as well as they've done under Will Still. So it's a a success story with with multiple uh, leading men. But, uh, you know, Balogun, I think now... For me, he's made the right decision internationally. Uh, I think there are always going to be question marks over this season with Haas, certainly in terms of the the English setup and whether it was enough to sort of allow him to kind of break into the the discussion uh, about uh, you know making the jump up to senior level immediately. And for him, I think ahead of the the twenty twenty six World Cup, he's got a couple of really good seasons now where he can establish himself as that main man for the USMNT, uh, you know, and continue to develop at club level. Yeah, I, I'm so happy. This today's amazing day. Not just uh, we can tell the winner <laughs> of today's UEFA Champions League tie, but I just want to say this to all you English folks: USA, USA, USA. I know that I put it in the group chat. I want to annoy the hell out of you with that chant because this has been a long time coming for the U.S. men's national team. The one position that they're missing at the world. My, Mike Lahoud on the USA chant. You know the the. Nant fans used to chant that to Bedoya. Oh, yeah. My my boy, Ali Bedoya. Your boy, Ali Bedoya, as well. No, just simple for me. This is a player that what I've loved to see about him this season, he's been a big game player for his club. He scored against Marseille. He scored against Lens, And he scored against Monaco. I mean, this guy's delivered for his club this season. And now he gets to take his talents to a team that, and a nation that wants him. That feeling of being wanted, there's pressure that comes with that. There's expectation that comes with that. And he's playing with young players who are playing in Europe. And I can't wait to see him play in that Nations League debut. And it gets no bigger in in CONCACAF than playing against Mexico. I can just see it now. The headlines, Florian Balagan scores the winner against Mexico. USA wins the Nations League. And a star, international star, is born. Mike, I thought you you explained that so delicately and and wonderfully and jj and and nigel i'm sure you agree when you hear him uh nigel uh, mike there talking about how balligan was so wanted by the usa i'm sure that has i'm sure you will agree that that must have nothing at all to do with the fact that nigeria have victor ossiman and england have harry kane and that perhaps the reason he might not be as desperately wanted by england in particular uh is that they've got lots of good strikers already and that balligan kind of was was only really an under 21 option um that's as maybe but Nigel I mean thanks JJ for shouting out my piece I'm gonna gonna ask a question of you because we know this may well not be the only transfer for want of a better term that Balogun makes this summer uh he is expected to leave Arsenal um who obviously are looking to cash in on uh on that player 
JJ mentioned there France, and we know that Marseille are interested in him if they can make the money work. RB Leipzig as well in the Bundesliga, a more counter-attacking team. There's loads of interest in England as well. What would you do if you were in uh, in his shoes, Nigel? You know, he obviously needs that that starting role. Do you think he should be looking abroad or come back to England and test himself against the best? I mean, the advice for him has got to be common sense. You've got to go somewhere where you're going to play and you're going to be one of the main guys. I think for me, his style of play and everything about him will probably suit RB Leipzig better. I think RB Leipzig is a club that's always in that European window. Um, he's going to get opportunities to play. He's seen many players go to play in Germany and get moves onto bigger clubs. The main thing is he needs to be seen. I think uh, Marseille will be a good move, but there's a lot of pressure when it comes to Marseille. If he's not mentally strong, Marseille could break him. And we forgot to mention with all of Michael's USA chant and this and that, <laughs> the kid has great potential, but watch US soccer waste that potential and completely break it. <laughs> we've we've, ah, we've we forgotten go. about how US soccer can absolutely mess a, a kid's career up. So wait till they to get be, like to, be fa- to be fair, we we touched on Nigeria's attacking talent just by mentioning Aussie member. You've got Turin Moffi, uh you've got Gift Orban coming through as well mm-hmm. in uh, in Belgium. You've got some Baller. fantastic uh, attacking talent. I mean it, it's crazy to even say that Nigeria probably didn't even necessarily need. I mean, I'm no, sure they would have loved him. I'll, I'll be real with yeah. you. The Nigerian one is all politics. Like, I wouldn't have even advised him to go to Nigeria. It's all politics there. There's a lot of people playing yeah. from the national team. Trust me. For me, understand, you know, USA is probably the best option for him. But the problem is, do USA have the coaches and the managers who are able to use this kid to his full potential and make it work? Or they're going to use him and then get someone else from out of nowhere and just, you know, he just disappears in the mist with all the rest of the USA oh. players that have played. It's a big pool and no one knows how to go fishing in it. But I tell you, I was on in Soccer We Trust, <laughs> yes, uh, earlier today, and it was all sunshine and roses and buttercups. And this is the this is the addition. Uh, it we always with with Jimmy Conrad and uh, his <laughs> Pierce. Because they're not going to say that, though. They, Michael knows that no. USA have messed a lot of top young, talented players because it's a mess. Man, That's the truth. There's no wait till we there. get wait. We don't even have a manager yet. This oh has been God. the player that we've wanted. We made the knockout stages without a proper striker. And now we have a striker who's banging in goals in one of Europe's top five leagues, man. James, let me be happy. a top five James. league, Mike. I'm afraid. Wait, oh my gosh. There's a top four, and then there's France. Oh, James, man. I'm watch when back. he doesn't score a few goals, and watch how the USA fans turn on him and say we should draft a kid from college. Oh, <laughs> or, or wait, or wait until Thierry <laughs> takes the job. Thierry, <laughs> Arsenal legend Henri, and then uh, and then drops Balogun. I'm staying away. From if you could, you could package them together with some future picks and and talk to Mexico and and see what you could do in a, in a trade. Sorry, He's this is deliver. He's gonna this deliver. is cruel. A reminder to all our US viewers: if you want a more optimistic take on Fleur and Balogun, the guys on In Soccer We Trust have been breaking that down as well. On the subject of Americans, though, and and here's one that a player that definitely has something to celebrate: Ethan Horvath of Luton Town will be playing in the richest game in football as you must refer to the championship playoff final, Luton coming from two goals down or a goal down to beat Sunderland 2-0 and reach the playoff final. I've got a game I want to play with the three of you very quickly. Uh, This is a true test of your Premier League nostalgia. Which of the three teams left in the running, that's Luton and, and Coventry and Middlesbrough, whose second leg is tomorrow night, I believe, which of them would be the most fun addition 
to the uh, Premier League. I'll start with Nigel and uh, Nigel Riokoka and Roman Riokoka as well. I would actually go for Luton. The reason Penny, you I'll have go... to say why. Come on. I'll go for Luton because Luton reminds me of old school Premier League with the club that I came through, Wimbledon. Real small yes. community club, all together, real passionate fans, real grassroots football kind of feel to it. Going to be fun team to watch, you know, no fear. And I, I just think it's a great addition to the Premier League and it's what makes football so great and unique and it keeps the grassroots football alive. I think Luton will be the best addition. I mean, I do agree with Nigel. Uh, you know, it's always nice to add a new team to the, the Premier League stable uh, and it would be interesting to see what Luton offer. Uh, I, I guess I have sort of a personal interest angle to it as well, having covered Luton and Watford during my university days. There are slim pickings at times based on the football that was uh, being uh, being proposed back then, but uh, nice to see them sort of knocking on the door of the Premier League now. And, you know, I think it'll be quite a, a unique away day experience as well for, for a lot of fans because it is yep. a very, very small ground. Cut, don't have too much in the way of positive praise for sort of the area around the stadium, but sort of the, <laughs> the journey to get into the stadium itself is pretty unique. In sticking through with back gardens and, uh, <laughs> and terraced housing. In uh, sticking with the USMNT theme, Luton Town in, got to go with Middlesbrough. The battle of the two US men's national team goalkeepers, Zach Steffen, I know NRC, you and Roman rolling your eyes. Zach Steffen, Horvath, it goes to penalty kicks in the final, and one of them becomes the hero that gets her team promoted. That would be my ideal playoff final and scenario. I guess I'm biased as well against Borough because they signed Villa's best players years and years ago, supposedly to to go and become a European super force, and it never really happened. <laughs> Gareth Southgate and the like. You've all missed the correct answer, which is, of course, Coventry City, who are proper Prem, proper 90s Premier League. Uh, I think that area of... that area is Coventry, Coventry is so poor, though. They like to try to force that James. rivalry with Villa. <laughs> let me let me jump in on that because Vic said about come on in RC this. I'm like, Vic, I've been to Coventry. I played there when I was young at 19. And I played at Middlesbrough as well away. Let's get Luton up there. Let's see some of these world-class stars going to Luton's dressing room, getting changed in that tight pitch and getting abused this far away from fans. Oh, Nigel Rio dressing that. rooms. Haven't heard that before. <laughs> Let's leave it for after dark, all right? But yeah. Well, it's. I mean, it's certainly going to be a massive couple of games. Coventry Borough second leg to come and then that championship playoff final on the 26th, the biggest richest game in all football that is all we have time for thanks so much to mike to jj and to nigel for joining us and thanks so much to you for listening to house of champions please take a minute to leave us a rating especially if it's five stars and review us on whatever platform podcast platform because we're on them we're on apple Podcasts. we're on spotify stitcher anywhere you listen to podcasts you'll find us even if where you listen to podcasts is two tin cans connected by a piece of string you will hear nigel rio coca on there and of course we are available on video as well if you want to see my ugly mug subscribe to us on youtube thanks so much for listening thanks so much for joining me guys and uh, we'll be back tomorrow night breaking down the small matter of manchester city and real madrid should be a cracker talk to you then bye-bye